Creating an effective website isn't as easy as picking a pretty template and then filling in the boxes with photos, videos, and copy. In fact, pretty isn't the only factor to consider when you pick the template or lay out your site. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and what looks and feels amazing for one person is hard to navigate or overwhelming for another. In today's episode, Katie Taylor Jacobson, wedding sales expert and conversion copywriter, shares insights into how to lay out a website based on four different buyer types, including quick changes you can make in your site today. You'll pick up how four different buyer types in the wedding world interact with your site, how each likes to experience your website, and three to five must-dos on your site for each one of the buyer types. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Y'all are in for a treat today. I know you've heard me yammer on over the last several episodes. Well, maybe the last couple of dozen episodes. I did have Julian and Mike in, but my special guest today is somebody that you know and love. Here she is, the one and only Katie Taylor Jacobson. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. Uh, It's good to have you back. Thanks. Yeah, it's fun. It's been a while. It has been a while. You and I recorded together six months ago. Was it already six months ago? Six months ago. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, For those of you who don't know, my talented, smart, funny, beautiful wife, Katie, could you introduce (laughs) yourself? Because we've picked up some listeners that may not know you. Yes, I am. uh, As Sam said, Katie Jacobson. I am the other half of ID Action, uh, other half of the ownership, I should say. I am a conversion copywriter with 21 years in the wedding industry selling directly to wedding couples. That's more than me, isn't it? It is more than you. That's a little known fact. It is a little known fact. I think that I uh, am as good, if not perhaps better as a salesperson. (laughs) It's true. She'd slay me if she worked for four seasons and I worked for four seasons. But I also know that you're a better teacher. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. Well, there we go. We're a left and a right hand. Exactly. Well, Katie, I brought you on today because I want to dig into something that is near and dear to both of our hearts and something that you spend quite a bit of time on, which is working with clients directly on their websites. And last week in our episode, I went through and I spent some time talking about what motivates the buyers. And so that was really a focus on the messages that need to be communicated. We know that when we design copy or, or messaging for any kind of marketing or sales work that we need to identify what are the buyer's biggest desires and concerns, and then we need to come up with ways to connect with them. And so those messages are the what. However, the website and the copy and so much of the sales process is about the how. How do you communicate those messages? And what we're going to talk about today is how that's different for different types of buyers. So... Let's go through and do a quick little overview of the buyer types. I'll blaze through this. If you are interested in learning more about buyer types and listening to the podcast right now, 
you can go back to, I think it was our third or fourth episode, and you can check out the quick overview on introduction to buyer types and learn a little bit more. But Katie and I, we use the foundation that was provided by my own coach, Laura Moriarty, with Tahoe Training Partners. And it's all about the communication preferences based on how people are wired. And so Laura trained me in 2014 on different communication preferences. And I took those communication preferences and I laid those over the different types of clients that I saw in the wedding industry. And in going through, I created four different profiles, the relator, the analyzer, the boss, and the dreamer. And Katie and I have gone through and set up a profile of what these individual buyer types prefer generally and also very specifically. And we're going to dig into both of them today as a short way of understanding what it is that each one of them prefers. The best way to remember it is that relators prefer relationships with people. Analyzers prefer information, facts, figures, and expertise. Bosses like to get things done. And so they like action and dreamers are all about ideas and possibilities. And that's what they're going to focus on. So each one of these buyer types is going to prefer some sort of outcome and also process along the way. And that means really important things for your website, which is what we're going to talk about today. So Katie, share a little bit with me what it is that we do when we go through and think about how to communicate on a website to each different buyer type. Well, the first thing that we have to do is obviously determine what buyer type that our client tends to attract. So we spend a significant amount of time uh, getting to know their buyers, not just by asking them questions like, what's their coffee preference or where do they shop, but really talking to their actual buyers, surveying them and, and really getting to the heart of what they are driven by, what their desires are, what their big concerns are. And from that, we can start to see as we look at several different customers, we can start to see a pattern form. And then at that point, we're able to really identify who they tend to attract, uh, who maybe they want to attract if they're not. And then all of that drives not just the copy of the website, but the way that it's wireframed or laid out. You know, all of that starts to kind of come into play as we start to draft the copy. Yeah, that's great. The The wireframing is a technical term for how the copy and, and other components of the website, CTAs, images, et cetera, are laid out on a web page. And that's really important. We're going to dig into that because there's some pretty cool stuff that you can do on your website to make sure that you are wireframing, laying things out in a way that's going to meet your ideal buyer's communication preferences. So I, w- I want to dig into that here in just a minute. Tell a little bit more about, for those who haven't hired us for a communication strategy or for copywriting, what are two or three things that listeners can do right now to learn a little bit more about who their ideal buyer might be? What are some resources or some approaches that they could take? Well, I think, you know, there's a series of questions. Actually, if you go and look at the newsletter that Sam's put out, if you go to our blog on our website, there's 
a resource about transformational testimonial questions. And you and I have talked about transformational testimonials again early in one of our top 10 episodes. So you can have that resource as well. Yes. So there's a, you know, a series of questions that we recommend in a certain order. You can start to ask those of not just your past buyers, but your current buyers as well. And I would actually take it a step further and say, filter it based on who your favorite couples were or your, you know, the ones that most ideally match up with your sort of ideal buyer. Um, And go ahead and, and send those survey questions out. And when they come back, look at the answers, not from one person, but look at the answers to one question vertically. So for example, if you were going to say to a client, what was your biggest concern about your wedding before you reached out to me? Don't just look at one one response. Look at the response to the same question by several of your buyers. Right. And so again, you can see patterns yeah, and exactly. trends develop. Yep. You'll start to see a trend. You'll start to pick up on things like, are they really short in their responses? Are they using words like feel or think? Are they talking about being overwhelmed or having analysis paralysis? Lots of those things will give us a bit of a clue as to what kind of buyer we're typically working with. And, and this episode isn't about how to identify your buyer, but again, go back. We have tons of resources, uh, including the podcast that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode so that you can start to identify who it is that you're working with. I'm telling you, it is like a light bulb goes on and the magic starts to happen when you know the preferences of the person that you're communicating with and you can stretch out of your natural communication preferences to meet people where they're at. So asking your best buyers, past and current clients, what's another way that you could do? I know we've talked a lot about data mining. We go through and we conduct reviews. What about information that's already out there in comments on social media or in the testimonials that you have received or the reviews that you've re- read on on the knot or wedding wire or wherever it comes from yeah absolutely um you know just as you said going to the knot going to wedding wire wherever you tend to collect testimonials or reviews you can go through and again you can start seeing a pattern people will mention things that they were struggling with before they, you know, came to you. And you'll start to notice that that shows up again and again and lots of feedback. Um, you can also, as you mentioned, go to social media and, um, and you can drill in a bit. You can also go to your past clients' own social media accounts. And- Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> it, it, hint, I'll give you a clue real quick. If they have lots of fur babies in their photos, they are likely relators. If they're not even on social media, could be a boss or an analyzer because... Why be on social media? It's a waste of time or it's too personal. Well, and, and, and on the social media, I guess LinkedIn is kind of, is that considered social media at all? I think so for business professionals. Right. It's like the, it's like the analyzers version of social media. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. But you know what? I think it is for professionals. It is widely used and there's tons of clues that you can pick up on by going to, again, your best buyers, uh, LinkedIn accounts and starting again to notice things about them that are in common. Okay. So let's imagine that we've gone through and we've checked out the reviews and we've sent testimonial requests and questionnaires to our clients. And we've reviewed our past communication with clients and we've identified who our buyers are. I want to jump into the meat of what you are going to help us with, which is how to 
look at the copy and the images and the CTAs and the 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 wireframing of a website to make sure that it matches the communication preferences. So let's 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 wave a magic wand over the situation and let's pretend that we know who our buyer is. And I want to go through each one of the four different profiles. So again, just a quick reminder for those who are not familiar, we have the relator. The relator is interested in connecting with people. I will provide a little bit more of a profile of a relator uh, and then the other three as well so that you have an understanding of that. So uh, in addition to wanting to connect with people, you know, their biggest desire is social harmony. Their worst fear is having people upset with each other, having disharmony within the group. One of the things that they also really strongly prefer is to have a step-by-step walkthrough of what it is that they need to do to get from A to Z. You have to make them go from A to B, B to C, C to D, D to E. You can't just say A to Z. So they need step-by-step walkthroughs. They also need to have a calm and peaceful environment. Again, that harmony is translated into the world around them. And so they want to have everything in its right place in a way that creates the the external harmony that, that promotes the internal harmony as well. So those are some of the the big desires and preferences for the relator. Now, Katie, how does that translate to the website? So I'm going to start by talking about images because that is the first thing that, you know, anyone is going to see when they land on your website is the hero image of your homepage. Um, You know, the relator more than anybody needs to see pictures throughout your website of people, lots of people. Uh, couples, couples with their friends and family, pictures of you, you, tons of pictures of you. You as the wedding professional. You as the wedding professional, looking at the camera, smiling directly at them. They will feel lots of connection by seeing you actually working with your couples. So showing photos of you, you know, with them or what they imagine themselves to be. So from a photo standpoint, you know, definitely do not be afraid of including images with people. On the homepage in particular, um, you know, there's typically an about intro section where you are going to introduce yourself to mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. For the relator, that about section needs to be closer to the top of your homepage. Okay. After you've sort of introduced them, oriented them, the relator as to where they are, wanting to introduce yourself and start to form a connection with them is going to be important. They want to know who they're working with. Um, on, on a personal level. So having that photo of yourself, having a little about intro about who you are and how you want to serve them uh, kind of early on the homepage is going to be important. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Um, you know, using a conversational tone. What I mean by that is talking in first person, I or we, and second person, you or your, um, you know, going back and forth between that and having more of a conversational tone is going to be really important for the relator, again, because they want to have that connection with you. There are some wedding professionals who write in third person, um, talking as if it's like somebody else introducing your company, and that is going to be a big turnoff for the relator. So third person would be, you know, using the company name or saying they or he or she. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Or their biggest contribution to the wedding will be rather than our biggest contribution to the wedding will be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, You already kind of touched on this, but another thing that's really important important for the relator is that process. They want to understand step by step 
what's going to come next and how they're going to move forward with you, they get very overwhelmed very easily. So you need to allow a lot of white space around your copy and you need to lay out for them very clearly on the homepage, a really easy peasy one, two, three step process to book your services. Not five, six, seven, eight steps because that already seems overwhelming, right? Right. Your job is to make it easy for them to understand what the next few steps are. Yeah. the, the, The relator gets about three quarters of the way down the homepage before they start to sort of you know, want to learn more about who you are or start to get a little bit of antsy. So again, you want to keep the copy on the sh- like medium to shorter side, um, really talk in benefits to them, you know, help them understand what they're going to get from your services, not from a, like a checklist standpoint, but what does the checklist mean to them in their life? Is that going to ease their stress? Uh, are they going to get better sleep at night? Um, they want to understand that. So let me go back to something that you said in passing, and I know this is a big, important part of the relator buyer type being on a website, and that's the noise that can Mm. come into the experience. There's a lot of website templates out there that have a lot of moving pieces, a lot of animations, a lot of transitions, a lot of pop-ups. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, carousel uh, or slideshows that, that push through automatically, um, a, a lot of videos running and, and sometimes, you know, photos within photos within photos and graphics all over the place. That's super overwhelming for somebody who craves calm. Correct. So, Correct. so if you've got, if you've got a relator buyer type, you need to make sure that the template is clean, simple, lots of white space not a lot of noise going on. That may be, that may be you, that may be your preference, but when you think about your buyer, they need that calm, tranquil, peaceful environment where there's not a lot of distractions running through the site. I'm really glad you brought that up because I, it's not that we don't want your website to be on brand for you. We absolutely do. But you do want to first start. Everything related to a website has to start with who the buyer is. When they arrive on, in your store, they need to feel comfortable being there, right? And so especially for the relator, as you mentioned, it's not that the bells and whistles aren't great for some buyer types. But for the relator, if that's who you primarily attract or want to attract, it's going to create a ton of friction for them and they're going to bounce early and often because it's going to overwhelm them. Okay, great. So that's the relator. Excellent tips and and approaches there for the user experience. Let's jump into the analyzer. So the analyzer is all about information, facts, figures, data. One of the things that they crave more than anything is reassurance and a reduction of, of risk. They are very risk averse and they want expertise and authority in addition to the information. So what are some things that we do, not with the content, but with how we communicate the information on a website for an analyzer. Yeah, for the analyzer, they have to be able to read through the copy on your website logically. So utilizing H1, H2, H3, that's like different sizes of your fonts, uh, bullet points, uh, lots of headlines and crossheads. As they read down the homepage in particular, they need to understand exactly what section of the website they're on and what information they're going to find. So they want things to be very clear, very logical, and very linear in how the information is presented. So lots of information is good. They will read your entire homepage. 
<laughs> they are the one buyer type that will literally absorb it all in one setting. They will read it top to bottom, left to right, all in one setting. Yeah. They're going to go through everything. So you can put the content on there, but just do it in a way that is logically and linearly laid out so that it's easy for them to process. They don't want to dance all over the place on the site. They want to make sure they're going from one step to the next, to the next, to the next in a way that makes simple sense for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we mentioned that one, two, three step process for the relator. It's also important for the analyzer, but they almost want it to feel like a checklist, like they're doing the right things in the right order is really important for them. And so presenting the information that way works. Okay. What else should we know about the analyzer? Yeah, from a photo standpoint, um, throughout your website, showing uh, photos of how you work. Um, like, for example, uh, if you're a designer, showing a video of you sketching, they like to see the process behind the end result. Uh, if you're like in letterpress, understanding that process is going to be really important to them. So from a visual standpoint, uh, showing how you work uh, is really effective. So it could be explainer content in the form of a video, or it could be explainer content in the form of a blog post or some breakdown of how what you do gets them the result that they're looking at. Exactly. All right. And then the last thing I would just say, and you touched on this earlier, is that they need to know that you're an expert. So including facts and figures, like actual data, number of years in business, number of couples you've helped is really going to help them understand that they can trust you. Mm -hmm. Because they want that expertise and authority that will reduce the risk of something going wrong. Exactly. Bingo. With, with, the, with the analyzer, it's oftentimes less bad things happening for the wedding planning or the wedding experience rather than more good things happening. Less bad is very different for the buyer than more good. And so with the analyzer, you're trying to provide the information that will reduce the risk and show you as the expert who can get them where they want to go. All right. Wonderful. The boss third type. <laughs> so Katie chuckles because we, we were talking about her kind of communication preferences with the relator analyzer, like the website she just described would be great for her. <laughs> they, so would be, they, they would not be great for me because I'm a boss and a dreamer. So bosses are all about getting things done, action oriented. They want control. They skip to the bottom line. At the end of the day, it's all about the outcome rather than the process, the destination rather than the journey. So you've heard of those people who don't read very much. Well, we just don't read things that take a long time to go through. So how do you design a website with the boss in mind? Well, the boss wants to see a successful end result. They want to know that that's guaranteed. So from a photo standpoint, when they land on your website, you want to show those successful outcomes. You want to show the walk, you know, the, the, um, recessional, you know, of the couple. Yeah, the celebratory the, exit with their hands in the air and yeah. confetti or whatever flying down on them. Exactly, exactly. Or like they love those dance floor shots where like the, you know, couple is like parting in the middle of all of their friends. Work so, hard, play hard. Exactly. So that definitely resonates with them. As you kind of intimated, the keep the copy on the shorter side. And like, I seriously, like they're going to, the boss is going to read for sure. They are going to start by reading the headlines and the crossheads. So make sure that those are really impactful. 
you know, as they read down the page, they're not actually going to get that far down the page. They're going to want to also know that you're an authority pretty early on, but they're not going to actually take the time initially to read the copy. So using like uh, any awards that you've won or as seen in badges and having those closer to the top so that they can at a glance see that they're working with a trusted authority in the wedding industry. And that's, I want to connect that back to one of the things that the boss wants most, which is control. And their biggest fear is losing control. And so that means that if they're going to trust you to do their work without micromanaging you like their personal assistant or butting heads with you on every recommendation you make, you have to start from the beginning to prime them for your trustworthiness, your authority, your ability. And, and once, they, once they, they recognize that, they're willing to give up control entirely that you may, you may never hear from them until the wedding day. They can be your best clients allowing you to do whatever as long as they believe that you can get it done and you'll do it within the amount that they've given you for the budget. The boss wants the shortest distance between their interest and connecting with you. So also with the boss, I would recommend, and, and perhaps my last tip for today is include your phone number and your email address uh, in your footer and on your contact page. They're not even going to probably take the time to fill out your contact form. They're going to just want to connect with you right away. It's so funny that you said that because a couple of interactions on websites over the last few days, you know, for me personally, I have gone through and I'm like, where is their phone number? Where is their email? Like, mm -hmm. all I want to do is text them. All I want to do, why is it not on the bottom of the email signature? That's a, that's a little pro tip there if you're working with a lot of bosses. You got to put your contact information at the bottom of your email signature, including on your phone, which should be the same as your desktop and laptop. They, they, they will not go through the forms. They will not check the calendar invite with the link on it. You've got to make sure that you're giving them the information directly and easily. You can do that at the footer navigation. I was just thinking of one more I wanted to add for the boss. Ooh, bonus boss. <laughs> the boss is going to, like I said, scan the homepage for headlines and crossheads. They're going to move over to the services page to understand what they get. At right, the bottom line, at the end of the day, what am I getting out correct. of this? Correct. And there, so on your services page, you guys, please make sure that you're including a call to action button that leads to that contact page. So, you know, you need to have call to action buttons throughout and they all kind of go to a different place. That's for a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but on your services page, at the bottom of the services page, after you've sold them on what you offer and given them a price, make sure you put a button to get to the contact page so they can reach out to you. All right. Our last and final buyer type, the dreamer. So the dreamer is about ideas and possibilities. They are interested in what could be in the future. They are collaborators. They are visionaries and they are very visual. How do you create a website for dreamers? So Remember all those bells and whistles that we talked about a little bit ago? <laughs> they are the ones that actually love the bells and whistles. Um, they like movement. That In that hero image section, for example, I typically say no to a carousel but of images you know, scrolling through. But the dreamer, actually, that works for. The dreamer's not going to get very far on your homepage before they go to the photos to start dreaming. They want to be able to like see themselves and imagine the possibilities, right? So a couple things with the dreamer as it relates to copy, um, consider making the inquire or contact button in your main navigation, a different color. I know that that's, I say copy cause there is actual copy on it, but the idea is you 
want to kind of uh, attract the, you want to be the bright, shiny object that is going to attract their attention that they're going to click on. And that's what dreamers want. They want lots of bright, shiny objects. They're looking for them. They, 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 they welcome them. They accept them. They embrace them and they will follow them. So if you have that contrasting button, it looks like a button up at the top, you know, say the rest of the navigation has no background. It's just the button copy on there or the navigation copy. Instead, you would actually have an outline or a solid color button feel to it. The For all buyer types, this is important, but especially for the dreamer, making sure that you have a really compelling tagline in that hero section, because again, they're not going to go very far down the page and make sure that that tagline is benefit-based, meaning again, what they're going to get from your services. The dreamer needs to be oriented right away that they've landed on the right website, that they're going to get the result that they want from what you offer, and then they're going to move again onto the pretty. So making sure you have a lot of that is uh, is going to work for the dreamer. Um, so again, keeping that copy brief, keeping super brief, you guys. <laughs> the head, you could do headlines and just a little bit of body copy and you'd be okay for the dreamer to read it. Correct. Correct. But I do want to say that you cannot just write a website for one buyer type. And I, and I want to get into that here in just a second. I don't know. Do you have any more uh, pointers for the, the dreamer? I do. Okay. I do. For the dreamer, again, I mentioned the visuals are important to them. So they are one where you can move that portfolio section, which you should have on your homepage, showing, you know, where they can get to your work easily up towards the top, because that's really what they're going to want to see. And they also want to know that they are working with the best. So those as seen in badges or the awards that you've won, again, push those towards the top because they're going to make snapshot decisions just by looking at the visuals. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the dreamer wants more than anything to be recognized by their peer group of having the most amazing wedding that anybody has ever attended. And hopefully they share it all over social media to let them know, uh, let other people who are in their audience know how amazing the wedding was. They, they want that FOMO. They want that wow. They want that, oh my gosh, that was the most incredible night of my life. They want all their guests to f- experience that. And so if you can pump up who you are, they can then share the status that you have with their group to give them by proxy status as well. I want to ask one more thing. Talk a little bit about calls to action. My recollection is that dreamers are click happy. They, they, are. they, they are like, it's like a game to see how many times they can click or press a button on a website. That's so true. I'm glad you brought that up too. Yes. I mean, for all buyer types, calls to action are important calls to action buttons. Um, but the dreamer, like when you see those websites that have the templates that have like the arrows where they can click through and see things or the different buttons on different pages that kind of lead them through the website. Um, yeah, it's like a video game for them. almost. <laughs> <laughs> how many times can I click? So, so if you, if you do have a dreamer on your website, you want to make sure that you're providing multiple calls to action could be three to five, even six or seven, depending on how how long the page is so that when they get bored with whatever it is that they're looking at after nine seconds or 15 seconds or two seconds, they see a button. They're like, Ooh, there's another adventure waiting on the other side of this click. Exactly. That's I like that. All right. So let's go back. Let's wrap up this episode with what you were mentioning before about how important it is to make sure that you're keeping in mind all kinds of readers. You know, one of the challenges with selling to couples 
in the wedding industry is that you're selling to couples. That means two. And very likely, especially as you go up higher in price point, you are dealing with additional stakeholders who are involved in making the decision. So while you're going to write a website for your one reader who is going to be the first person who's reading the website, there will be many, 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 many more people who will be involved in making the decision and reading the website as well. So any advice on how to make sure that you're writing for your primary buyer while at the same time providing an experience that's good for everybody? You know, I think you have to lay out your website, again, that wire framing for your primary buyer or, or two. Um, you know, I think that's really important. But in terms of the information, you know, people are going to read through each page of your website. They're going to go a little bit further to the about page, to the services, to whatever. So it's not the homepage in particular you want to make sure is going to resonate with your ideal buyer. The subsequent pages, the about page, the services page, those really need to be written for any particular person that might be landing on your website. I think that's great advice because as those other decision makers get involved, they're typically in later stage awareness where they already are solution aware or product aware. They, they know what it is that that vendor category does. They may even have a proposal and they're going back now to look at the storefront to get more information to make the decision. And so those about, and especially services pages are probably going to be more information packed than your homepage. But I love that advice. You and I haven't talked about that before mm. about how the homepage is really going to be for your one reader and really wireframing and laying things out and focusing on the visuals and the copy in a way that makes sense for that reader on the homepage. And then the other pages can be a little bit more neutral for all the different types of readers. Exactly. Now, if this sounds like a lot of information and a lot of complexity, it is. And this is why professionals do what they do for website work. So if you are interested in listening to this episode and going through and updating your website, we hope that you've got some really great information. Those are some pretty good tactics and techniques that you can put into play immediately if you want to. However, if you are interested in having a professional who has done this 150 times over the last two to three years, we have an entire team of copywriters that are here waiting to work with you. We also do design services as well for websites. We have templates and we'd be happy to walk you through what your website could look like so that you can target your ideal client. Thanks so much, Katie, for jumping on the episode. Thanks again for having me. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 